Let us pray. Scatter the silence, mighty God, with your glad and glorious greetings. Banish all our fears and give us faith in Jesus Christ, the risen Lord. If there is anything said from this pulpit that is against your will, let it come to naught and do no harm. But if there is anything said from this pulpit that's according to your will, let it be heard, as if sung by the voice of angels, that hearing we might believe, and believing, obey. Amen. But not long ago, I sat across the table from a man at breakfast, and we'd been in conversation for about 90 minutes, and so I started looking around to see if we could get the check. He noticed that this, is what I, this was what I was doing, and so he stopped me and he said, oh, Nate, I, um, I need to tell you something. And it's like this is why he asked to have breakfast with me in the first place, and it, it had taken him this long. I need to tell you something. I've needed to tell you something for a long time. And now I'm going to tell you. And then he spent the next 30 minutes uh, telling me this story of personal failure. And obviously I can't tell you what he told me, but I can tell you that he cried and it took a lot of courage for him to get this out and that we prayed together afterward. And I can tell you that he'd been carrying around this big duffel bag for a long time. And he's going to have to continue to carry around this big duffel bag, but at least for that minute, for that moment, for those 30 minutes, he unpacked. Is it time for you to unpack? I can remember one Christmas we uh, got one of our children this plastic purple suitcase for Christmas and amongst all the other things that this child received for Christmas, this is what this child really loved, you know? This small thing, it's like, you know, having a kid who gets a bike and all of a sudden wants to play with the cardboard box and so, you know, the child opened up the, the handle and spun it around and, and, and pulled it this way and then hugged it around the middle and then asked us, can I take this to Maine? Looking forward to our trip to the homeland. <laughs> and I said, yes, of course you can take that to Maine. And the child took the plastic suitcase by the handle and began traipsing it up the stairs and all we heard was clunk, clunk, clunk of the wheels on the stairs. And that's all we heard from the child for a, a long time, which is terrifying. You don't hear from young children for a long time. But then we heard this clunk, clunk, clunking, a much heavier clunking on the way back down the stairs. And the child said, I'm all set, I'm ready to go to Maine. What was in the purple suitcase? Well, God only knows what was in the purple suitcase. So when the child left the suitcase by the stairs, my wife and I went over and we opened it up, unlatched it, and looked inside. We were headed to Maine in December. So the tank tops and the flip-flops <laughs> that she had packed were not necessary. And there was a snow globe in there which seemed sort of superfluous. And there was no hat, no mittens, no gloves. With where we were headed, 
There was some repacking to do. Isn't this the time, as the new year changes over, to consider what we're carrying around? What's in the suitcase? What's in the duffel bag? To consider maybe is repacking necessary? With where we're headed in 2019, might it be time to open the bag and see what needs to be left behind and maybe what needs to be packed inside? It's probably too kind to say that the prophet Nathan was there with David, helping him to repack his suitcase. But if you take a closer look, I think you could make that claim. David's story is a fascinating one. You remember some of it, I'm sure, maybe from Sunday school. This man, this king, remember, started in a humble way. He was the shortest shepherd in his father's Jesse's crew, and he was handpicked by the prophet Samuel to be king. And his rise to the throne was, was, was sort of awkward. It starts out, actually, with him slaying the giant, Goliath, and then running around the countryside, trying to stay away from the deranged king Saul as Saul tried to kill him. That's how it started. And yet this king, this boy, becomes king, and he's known as David, and the scripture loves him. In many ways, this, the way that the scripture tells us about David is so beautiful. It's, it tells us that David danced, but the scripture doesn't just tell us that David danced. David danced before the Lord with all his might. The scripture tells us that David was obedient, but David wasn't just obedient. David was a man after God's own heart, right? This man, this king, David, is known to us in many ways as a hero, but then David sets eyes on Bathsheba. You might say that it started innocently enough with Bathsheba, you might say that. David couldn't sleep in the middle of the night. And so he got up from his bed and he took a walk around and then he strolled up to his rooftop and he looked around and there he saw Bathsheba bathing. And he just had to have her. He burned for her. And so he took her and he slept with her. David slept with her without regard for her story. He's king. She has no choice. Without regard for her story or the story of Uriah the Hittite, who was her husband and a loyal member of David's military force, David takes her. And then, wouldn't you know it, only a verse or so later, Bathsheba shows up and announces that she's pregnant. Well, David panics. Instead of owning up to this first disgraceful act, he tries to cover it up by committing another disgraceful act. And we kind of want to yell out to him and say, hey, David, we've tried that before. It never works. But even if David could hear us, he wouldn't listen. He has his mind made up. He's going to solve this problem by taking out Uriah the Hittite. And so, he sends Uriah the Hittite to the front lines of the battle, and the man is killed. By the time we meet David in today's text, 
He thinks that this saga, this little story, might just be behind him. I mean, he's done the right thing. He figures he has anyway. He's taken Bathsheba as his wife, and he's offered a home for the son that's been born between them. David figures this scandal is behind him. Only God figures differently. And Nathan shows up. Nathan shows up and he tells a story that Chris read. This one about how a rich man comes and he takes from the arms of the poor man this one ewe lamb. And through it, through telling this story, he forces David and maybe he forces the rest of us to feel the impact of what he's done. Without even knowing it, without David knowing it, Nathan is unpacking David's suitcase right there in front of him. He's showing him what he's carrying around and what he's going to have to continue to carry around. And the weight of what all of that is. Now, if Nathan would have come out and just pointed his finger at David and said, you did this, you and I both know that David would have dismissed him out of hand. He would have found a way to keep that suitcase all zipped up. But drawn in by the disdain that he has for the rich man, David's left vulnerable. And Nathan pounces on him and he says, you are that man. And then David stammers. And we stand alongside David as we read this scripture, don't we? And, and we feel the weight of the story on us. And we think about the ways that we have been compassionless in our lives. And maybe the ways that we have held back from honoring another person's story or honoring another's irreplaceable humanity. We stand alongside David and we stammer too. And we feel our lips moving with his as he says... I have sinned against the Lord. I have sinned against the Lord. I have sinned against the Lord. David has a lot of life ahead. Nathan knows this. This son that was born to Bathsheba, well, he's going to die. And then... One of David's daughters, Tamar, will be raped by one of David's sons, Amnon. And then Amnon will be killed by another of David's sons, Absalom. And then Absalom will rebel against his father and will be killed by David's military forces. David has a lot that he's going to be carrying going forward. He's going to see a lot of what cripples us in life going forward. And so we nod alongside David because we know that there's enough of life that's coming ahead that we're going to have to carry. And I'm not sure we can carry it all if we have to carry with all that we've had with it. Carry it with all that we've had in the past. And so we stammer alongside David. And we are... We are fortunate to hear alongside him, the Lord has taken away your sin. That's what Nathan says. You are not going to die. So this morning, what I want to invite you to do is 
Imagine unpacking your purple suitcase or your big black duffel bag. I want you to imagine unpacking that for someone that you're close to, someone that you know, someone that means something to you that you can trust. What would that be like for you to unpack what you've been carrying around? What would it be like for you if God showed up and said, hey, uh, can I take a peek? What would that be like for you? To unzip the bag. If you unzip the bag and you open it up, there'll be a, a first layer of, of clothes that are all folded up nice and neat because that's what we do so that everyone around us can, can think that we have life all, you know, neat and put together. But if God's opening the bag with you, he's patient, he'll wait. And then with slightly trembling hands, we pull away that veneer to reveal the mess that makes up most of us. And God looks in quite unsurprised. Some things are less difficult for God to see, like for us to have him see. You know, that we uh, yell once in a while or that we swear from time to time or that we've rushed through life, we're okay if God sees that because we're only human. God pulls those out and sets those aside along with the folded clothes. And to our great trepidation, this reveals the laundry that we had hoped, like David had hoped, you know, would never need to be seen. Even when we knew in our hearts that we're carrying this around, that this is a weight for us to carry around. And there God sees our greatest mistakes and regrets, our deepest fears and failures, our crippling sadness. God sees our fanatical distrust in ourselves and in the rest of humanity. God sees the way that we've given up on him. God sees the way that we're paralyzed in the face of death. And all of these are pulled out, and they're set aside, and the room spins, because that is what forgiveness feels like sometimes. And luckily for us, it hasn't been so long since we heard that prophet say, the Lord has taken away your sin, you are not going to die. You have so much life ahead. You can't carry it. You have so much life ahead. If the person I had breakfast with that morning could hear anything today, it's that you have so much life ahead. You can pack it all back up if you want to. God leaves the room, which God never does, by the way, but you think he leaves the room, and so you can pack it up if you want to. And you might even need to pack some of it up just to survive. But you don't have to. You don't have to pack it back up. You don't have to carry everything you've been carrying so alone. That's what we're hearing today in Scripture. You've got so much life ahead. You're going to have a lot to carry. Before you decide what to do, Before you decide what to do with all of this that's been unpacked, I want you to consider packing back up with something else. That's 
what we call repentance. Leaving it behind and packing up with something else. Because one day, God had all of his laundry unpacked. It was the day that he took on the cross. You remember what happens? They cast lots to decide who would get to take his clothes. And then later that day, they, they took him and they zipped him up in a tomb that had never been used. And three days later, he unpacked himself from the grave. And because he did, we are given this invitation to take our laundry to the foot of the cross and leave it there and instead fill our bag with something else. Life, a new life, all the joy in the world. Why don't you think about packing your bag up with some of that? Amen.